0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze the music, legacy, and cultural impact of all your favorite pop stars. I'm your host, DJ Louis XIV, and I'm a DJ, writer, and all around pop music fanatic. I've spent my entire life and career thinking about, dissecting, and being obsessed with pop stars, their music, their legacies, how they relate to one another, to the larger pop musical landscape, and to culture more broadly. What separates an icon from a mere superstar? Why do some careers become the soundtrack to our lives and why do others flop? Whose work in legacy transcends time and whose feels stuck in it? Every episode of Pop Pantheon, we'll devote an entire episode to a pop icon. From titans of the genre like Beyonce and all the way down to uh, lesser titans, like Nicole Scherzinger. Each episode, you'll hear a little breakdown from me, and then some distinguished guests and I will chop it up about their careers, discographies, public personas, live performances, music videos, feuds, tweets, you name it. And at the end, We'll turn pop into fantasy football, make our final judgment, and place them in the official Pop uh-huh. Pantheon. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Pop Pantheon. This as ever is DJ Louie. Thank you so, so much for joining me here again. I want to es- extend a special welcome and thank you to everybody that joined the podcast last week who's sticking around. Thank you for joining the family, and I also want to say thank you to everybody who hung out with me on Instagram after the Lady Gaga episode published last week and shared all your favorite Gaga songs with me. I was love talking about it. So many great songs. It's also Born This Way week, I think this week, so everybody now knows that is my favorite Gaga album, so... Thank you, everybody, for jumping in on Instagram over at Pop Pantheon Pod. Every week after the episode on Thursday and Friday, we do some fun, like, engagement stuff over there. I'm thinking about starting a Discord. I'm thinking about a bunch of things that help bring the community aspect of this together because I want to talk to all of you guys. I know you're also smart and have so many opinions you want to share about all of this, and I want to be able to talk to you all. So. That's forthcoming, as is the Pop Pantheon Party in LA, so stay tuned about that. And I also want to spend a minute here thanking everybody that left reviews last week after I asked for that. I got so many new reviews. I really appreciate it. It really helps with the algorithm. If you have not yet left a review, please go on Apple Podcasts, rate this five stars, and leave me any sort of review that you want. I really don't care what you say. Anything. You can diss me. You can drag my vocal ticks. You can talk about all the weird things I repeat too many times over and over again. I'm here for it all. Just leave that review. So thank you to everybody that did that. I also wanted to say that if you are liking the podcast, again, I would so appreciate if you felt it in your heart to share it on social media. Uh, put a tweet up if you want to share this episode, if you want to share our past episode, put it on Instagram. Just help people get... Uh, turned on to this, who you think might be interested. Anybody that's a pop fan that wants somewhere to go listen to some gay guy and some critics yammer about pop stars for an hour on end. So... That's all I'm going to really say up top here. As usual, if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you want to go check out the mini-sode, what exactly is the Pop Pantheon? That will help sort of detail what the Pantheon is, how I think about it. But otherwise, you should be good just sitting here listening to this discussion about a fantastic artist, one of my favorites, and someone I'm so happy to give the spotlight to this week with a returning champion guest. So here... Without further ado is pop pantheon, Missy Misdemeanor Elliot.
1: Missy Elliot is one of the great
0: enigmas of modern pop history. A rapper, a singer, a dancer, a boundary-pushing visual artiste, a musical iconoclast and convention buster, and the glorious exception to almost every rule of the pop game. Missy landed seemingly from another universe entirely with her partner in crime, Timberland, in the mid-90s with their work as producers and songwriters on albums by Genuine, Jodeci, and most notably on Aaliyah's smash second record, 1996's One in a Million. They parlayed this success into Missy's seminal debut album, 1997, Super 1997's Fly, an utterly futuristic, mind-bending, surrealist take on R&B and hip-hop that sounded like nothing that had come before it. The album produced a number of hit singles, including the title track, along with groundbreaking, thrillingly bizarre music video collaborations with the director Hype Williams, and became the highest debuting album ever for a female rapper, announcing the arrival of one of pop's weirdest, most exciting new voices.
1: Beep, beep. Who got the keys to the Jeep? I'm driving to the beach, top down, loud sound, see my peace. Give them pounds now, look, who it be? It be me, me, me and Timothy.
0: Like, Following Super Duper Fly's success, Missy e and Timberland continued to expand their signature sound on subsequent records like 1999's The Real World and 2001's Missy e, So Addictive, completely throwing out the rulebook on the line between hip hop, R&B, and pop, playfully warping sonic dynamics of what a pop song could be like, and creating music that sounds just as avant-garde, visionary, and frankly bonkers as it did then. These records also established Missy Elliott, a plus sized, sometimes androgynous appearing black woman, as one of the biggest voices in a pop landscape where absolutely no one looked like her and certainly no one sounded like
1: her. Quiet! Hush your mouth. Silence when I spit it out. In your face. Open your mouth. Give you a taste. Hello. Ain't no stopping
0: me. Missy released her fourth album, the smash hit Under Construction in 2002. It contained her biggest hits to date, including her signature song, Work It, along with a series of other hits where she and Timberland paid homage to hip-hop's past while continuing to single-handedly metamorphosize the sound of popular music, and display Missy's jaw-dropping versatility as a rapper, singer, and pop star. The album became the most successful ever by a female rapper to date, selling over two million copies in the United States alone, and was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards.
1: If you a fly gal, get your nails done. Get a pedicure, get your hair did. Boy lift it up, and let's make a toaster. Oh. Let's get drunk, this to bring us closer. Oh. Don't I look like a holly berry poster? Oh. See the Belvedere playing tricks on ya. Oh. With the success of Under Construction, Missy released two more albums,
0: 203's This Is Not a Test her last full collaboration with Timberland, and 2005's The Cookbook. These albums, while very solid, were moderate successes that didn't quite match the chart reach of her peak period. Since then, Missy has receded a bit as a solo artist over the last decade and a half. She has produced and written tons of hits for other artists like Beyonce, Keisha Cole, and Jasmine Sullivan, and she's dropped a song or an EP here and there. She also made a show-stopping guest appearance at Katy Perry's 2015 Super Bowl halftime performance, a welcome return to the stage for one of the most beloved pop and hip-hop acts of the last 20 years. Since her debut, Missy has had 10 top 10 Billboard hits. She has won four Grammy Awards and sold over 30 million records in the United States. She is the best-selling female rapper in Nielsen music history, according to Billboard, in 2017, and became the first female rapper ever to be inducted into the Song Raiders Hall of Fame and received the MTV VMA's Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award for her Impact on the music video landscape. In 2020, Billboard ranked her at number five on the 100 greatest music video artists of all time. Here with me to put our thing down, flip it, and reverse it on all things Missy Misdemeanor Elliot is Pop Pantheon returning champion, music journalist Stephen Horowitz. <laughs> so I'm here with Stephen Horowitz, and this is a huge first for the podcast, Stephen, because, well, actually, it's three firsts. I th- Wait, no. Yes, Two first. first is you are my first repeat offender. Second is you are my first in-person Pop Pantheon interview. I am literally looking at Steven right in the face right now. I hope you like what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely a pleasure to have you on again and to have you in my
2: physical presence. The pleasure is all mine.
0: We're here to address... Uh, One of your faves for sure, but one of mine too. I mean, this is like a foundational person in modern popular music history. And I was thinking actually when I was preparing for this, uh, when I had Rich Juzwiak on to talk about Madonna, he made this point about how iconoclasm can sometimes be lost in retrospect because often innovations get sort of like so integrated into the pop musical landscape that you don't see them anymore. And I do think that's very true with Madonna. But when I was sitting and thinking about Missy for the first time, I actually don't think that's the case when you listen to Missy Elliott's music. It sounds just as fucking bonkers and insane as it did 20 years ago. Would you agree? Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, I listened to Missy's Missy's music just... Casually all the time. And before we talked about doing this, I was actually revisiting her discography just like I do every year. Yeah. And it is truly insane how forward-thinking that music was at the time and how that is still maintained in 2021.
0: Yeah, it's like... So rarely do you hear music and you are truly like fucking A, I've never heard anything like this before. And so rarely do you continue to have that sensation with it, like after you've been listening to it. And Missy's songs are not exactly songs you don't hear all the fucking time. So they're baked into the cake that way. But many of them still sound 50, 60, 70, 3,000 years ahead of like where we are today. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. I I also think something that makes her music so specifically unique is, and I think you could probably say this for any anyone's favorite artist, but when you go back and you revisit, you always find something new. Mm. And I feel like there's so many textures to her music, and there's so many layers, and you just... It feels like a reinvention every time you revisit it. So I feel like that makes her specifically special.
0: Agreed. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I was sort of just... Before we sort of get into specifics, that was just sort of on my mind, is just how many artists are there in pop history that are true, true innovators and also extraordinary mainstream successes, you really can't point to a lot of them. And I mean, that was another thing that Rich brought up on the Madonna discussion was her sort of like place in our greater public imagination as this great innovator is sort of overrated in a sense. She was a great miner of subcultures and was like sort of a great editorial director of music. But he was sort of pointing out that she's not exactly the innovator that sometimes people peg her as. But I was reading some of the contemporaneous Missy reviews from back in the day, comparing her to Prince, James Brown, these massive musical innovators. And in, that made me sort of feel like she's somewhat underrated in that sense. And I, I, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. As an innovator, nobody sounds like Missy Elliott. I mean, there there are influences that have carried on throughout, but her music is so specifically her music. Right. And you could hear from album to album how it shifts. She keeps kind of pushing the envelope forward, pushing right. the sound forward. Right. And I think as an innovator, she is definitely underrated. And I think there are a lot of factors of that. I think one of them is that she's a woman in hip hop. That's something she's always s- sort of combated the right. idea of. I think... Because she has also broken into the pop world, she's sort of seen as this outlier, and I think the idea of innovation gets lost in that. Like, mm. I feel like you become the sort of mythical creature, but I think that's sort of separate from being an innovator. And I think she definitely does not get the credit that she deserves, not just as as a as an artist, as a singer, as a rapper, but also like we talked about before a songwriter and a producer mm-hmm. and a visual artist. Mm-hmm. These, I mean, all of these things combine into being a true innovator. Like, she has spread her, her magic across so many mediums. Yeah. And she's an expert at all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could dance. Like, everything she does is truly specifically her. But I think it's the forces that surround her that preclude her from having that innovator label.
0: Right. I think that's the thing it's like she's underrated as a pop star because like that's what like if you were going to sort of like build your model of the perfect pop star they would be able to do all of those things and she really delivers on that and yet i sometimes feel like in broader consciousness i do know that within sort of like the critical community or those in the know people appreciate the innovations and appreciate the sheer amount of incredible music and hits that she was a part of. But sometimes looking back, I think culture writ large sometimes puts her in like a box with other female rappers of that era. Like she gets m- mentioned a lot in the same breath as like Little Kim in Foxy Brown, which is no knocks, amazing artist. But I think that what she was doing and what she and Timberland were doing was greater in some ways than she sometimes gets credited for.
2: Well, I also think part of what you were talking about of her being this pop star I think that also precludes her from having this sort of innovator label because back when she had debuted and even for her first two maybe even three albums hip-hop stars were not the pop stars and I think for her crossing over into that pop world was a huge obstacle for her I mean I don't think people necessarily at large consider Missy Elliott a pop star, even though she is. But I think that's because of the the culture of which she debuted. You know, the hip-hop stars were not the pop stars. Now, Drake is a pop star, Nicki Minaj is a pop star, Lil Wayne is a pop star, and a rock star. Like, those labels have dissolved. But for her, I think because she got her footing at the beginning of hip-hop's domination of pop culture that she ne- isn't necessarily included in that same breath. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, like, I think that it's that and Also, on some level, her looks because she doesn't slot visually into what we thought of as a pop star, especially in that era. Like if you think if you look around her, not only did she not look like the other rap girls, I mean, she didn't she didn't look like the skinny sort of like va va voom body of (laughs) little Kim. And she also certainly did not look like Madonna, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, you know, Christina. I think both in terms of her music and in terms of her pop stardom writ large again there i said it again (laughs) um uh take a drink (laughs) i'm just referencing a comment on apple podcast that said drink every time i say writ large but i'm not letting that affect me i think that people have had a very very hard time knowing how to think of her and i i think she's played well with that like that's something that she's used to her advantage to be sort of like this character that doesn't fit easily into with other people and she and being an innovator you that's that's kind of a prerequisite yeah but I do think sometimes I wonder if we should be talking about her more in the same breath as some of these more traditional pop stars as one of the greatest of them all because of like the music she put out the innovation she brought to the game and I wonder if she looked different would we possibly talk of her, think of her differently. Yeah,
2: two two things from her career really popped into my mind of her as a pop star, where in the context she seemed like the hip-hop star, one of which being a Gap commercial that she did with Madonna back in the day, which we don't need to... Please don't cut that into this. <laughs> and the other being her guest appearance at Katy Perry's Super Bowl halftime show. There we go again talking about Katy Perry. <laughs> um, where she is very clearly a pop star on that stage. Her coming out, stealing the spotlight. Missy Elliott's records, they shot up on, on the charts. Katy Perry's didn't as well. Right. Like, didn't do as well. Yeah. And I think the the conception, like I was talking about earlier, uh, or the perception of her is really rooted in that she's a hip-hop artist. And like you said, it's it's how she looks, it's how she sounds, it's that she raps. Mm-hmm. But like, now having all this time go by from where she debuted, I think... Uh, It is so clear that she's a pop icon.
0: A million percent. And you just so see the effects of their innovations in all a lot of the music we see today and that came after her over the last 20 years and we will definitely be addressing that. So I want to rewind us back to like the origins of the Missy and Timberland legend. So maybe you can help set up for us. uh, Missy's first record, Super Duper Fly, came out in 1997. Let's like talk about what was going on in hip hop more broadly in the mid 90s what was this like, what was the deal for female rappers in that time period? Who were the people that were sort of like big? And what were they doing as musicians and as performers, artists, whatever?
2: Yeah, in the mid from the early to the mid 90s, it was dominated by Queen Latifah. MC Light debuted in the late 80s, but she was still in her momentum in the 90s. And Moni Love, who I think put out her record in 1989. But then it sort of took a turn and became more modern. Debrat came out and Yo-Yo was popular and you had all these different flavors of female rappers. This is also back when female rappers were called female rappers. Right. <laughs> and were not considered just rappers. And that concept has dissolved over the years as well in some ways. Yeah, I was going to um, say not to the extent
0: we would wish. Yes,
2: not to the extent we would wish by calling someone a femcy or something like that. That's like a dirty word now. Women were looked at as outliers in hip-hop they were sort of guests of the men even though they're equally if not more talented than them in a lot of regards but when missy elliott debuted in 1987 the big explosion of female rapper uh fame you could say took place in 96 which was when lil kim and foxy brown put out their debut records and at the time to be a female rapper, you sort of had to have a male cosign, And a lot of times it was women in a crew. Lil' Kim had Junior Mafia. Foxy Brown had The Firm. Debrat had Jermaine Dupri. You have all these people giving the stamp of approval on you to sort of introduce you as a, an approved rapper. In addition to that... To be a female rapper in 1996, that's when it sort of took an over, overly sexualized turn. And you could see that in Hardcore and El Nana, and the shit that they're rapping about is real spicy. Whoa,
1: whoa. I used to be scared of the dick, now I don't lips to the shit. Handle it like a real bitch. Have the hunter, Janet Jack, me, take it in the bun. Yes, yes, whoa. I got men in Switzerland, Either got sand in the middle. And another one, and another one, and another one, 24 caps,
2: nigga. So but in addition to that, these are very talented lyricists. And so I think there's that juxtaposition where it's, it's doing what the guys do, and it really takes it into a more feminine area. And so for Missy Elliott to come out in 1997 with Super Duper Fly, like truly upended everything that we had sort of known female rappers to be. Missy Elliott didn't ha- need to have the cosign. sign Timbaland was there, but he wasn't famous. Right. Missy Elliott came in on her own and did it on her own, mm-hmm. front and center. And I think that that really marked a turning point in hip hop, especially for female rappers that showed, you know, you don't have to go this route. You, if you're talented enough, you could do it. She also displayed a versatility that I think was missing in rap in a lot of ways. And we talked about that too prior to this where... She is not a typical rapper. Right. She had beginnings in R&B. She worked with she was in a group called Sista that she sang in. She also did rap on their their only album, but she was designated as a singer. <laughs> She also had guest appearances on songs singing. She had guest appearances on songs rapping leading up to this. Jodeci. Well, exactly. She worked with Aaliyah and Genuine on their albums that came out in 1996, I believe the year was. So she has this background in R&B and on Super Dupa Fly, it crystallizes where she's able to very fluidly move between R&B and hip hop. And I think you can hear it just even on the first few songs, she, like hit him with the, he is the first actual song on Suba duper fly. She sings on that song. And then the song that comes after that is "Socket to me. She sings on the song, right? So it's, it's confusing. I think for people to see a female hip hop star in 1997, who is not just rapping, mm. who's, Has talent that is beyond just being a hip hop lyricist. Mm -hmm. And she understands the two sides of those things, I think, very distinctly. And that's why it feels so natural on that album.
1: I was looking for affection, so I decided to go swing it in my direction. I'll be out of control. Let's take it to perfection.
0: You know, that's really interesting because I do think when I think about Foxy and Kim, I feel like a big part of what they were doing was kind of like proving their muscle as rappers was like the A number one sort of like focus because females were so under... Rated by the greater hip hop community. Like, you were, like, if you think it was, you know, it was hard to sort of get respect as a female rapper now, back then it was a man's, man's, man's game for the most part. So I think there was something so much like, that is a thread in Missy's career overarching which is that like she what she's doing is so in her own lane and in her own entire like sonic universe that she's not bogged down by like those kind of expectations in a certain way the other question I was going to ask because Missy and, and Missy is Missy and Timberland for like most of how we're going to talk about this because they are this dynamic duo through the majority of her career so and and they had a big the, 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 the big sort of like splashy debut of Missy and Timberland as a duo was Aaliyah's one and a million, yes. essentially, which was her second album. So, if that's the moment where they come together, what are the sounds and songs and themes of One in a Million that help set the table for Super Duper? Play? Yeah,
2: on One in a Million, that's when their sound clicked, right? I think, and I think you can hear that all over the album, right? It has all of the distinctive elements of what makes Timbaland and Missy both great producers and songwriters the slithering bass lines, the heavy drums, but accented and contrasted by these sort of cherry synths on top. So there's this this brightness above the darkness. And I think that is one of the hallmarks of Super Duper Fly and all of the work that Missy and Timlin have done together. I mean, you can go song by song, and that's pretty much the formula. Mm. But I think they had a knack for melody as well. And the songs that are on One in a Million are classics. I mean, that is a classic front-to-back record.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about that slapping bass on If Your Girl Only Knew. Yeah.
1: If your girl only knew that
2: Yeah, Timbaland loves that, like, I'm not going to beatbox or something, but he he loves that heavy undertow Mm. on a song, either at a languid pace, a mid-tempo vibe, and then something very, like, saccharine or or lovely on top of Mm -hmm. it. And then you always, you have the R&B singer coming in and adding more of this velvet touch. So there are all these textures, and I think the heaviness of... Their music is what he added to New Jack Swing, if you want to put it that way. Like their New Jack Swing is very light and airy, and 808s and Timbaland's sort of took what he learned from that and almost transformed it into this heavy, very specifically Timbaland sound.
0: Right. It's very. It's much fuller in the book bu- in the low end. Like New Jack Swing to me is very defined by sort of crisp percussive mid range. And Timberland's beats are very filled out in the low range. Yes, very heavy on bass. Voluptuous. Yes, voluptuous. That's a good word. Yes. Um, And also very rhythmically unique. If we're talking about golden era hip hop being very much kind of boom bap, which is essentially defined by sort of like a very steady rhythm of kick drums and snares. One of Timberland's innovation is sort of like his use of space in beats, removing the third kick drum, whatever it is, oh, yeah. and creating these like strange beats that sound almost like a rhythmic or that they're going to like fall off the rails at certain moments, but sort of always come back around and like b- are just sort of barely almost holding themselves together in this masterful way. Yeah. That creates these weird spaces that you can definitely hear on Are You That Somebody, the Aaliyah song which came out, you know, somewhere around this era. Can you really film baby
2: girl? East Coast uh-huh. West Coast can you build- yeah, he has these sort of slow, molassesy type drum patterns. And then it's contrasted as well by like these pitter-pattering kai hats or whatever sound he's thrown into the mix. And the song that, that keeps popping into mind is Jigga What Who by Jay-Z. That really like stuttering Sputtering cadence to it, yeah, and that's one of my favorite beats by him because oh it, it, it combines all the things that we've been talking about just totally. like the, the sweetness and, and the sour and the, the big boom of it all,
0: yes, and also the extremely arhythmic drum programming that's like that basically, like the entire drum program is like in one part of the measure, it goes like and then there's like basically like it drops yeah. out for the second, so it's like
2: exactly. You can't fuck with me. Nigga, what?
1: Get ready, yo. Nigga, who? Don't switch your flow, get your <laughs> dough. Can't fuck with the truckload no shit, though. Switch your flow so
0: shots, super duper fly comes out in 1997 and is like makes a pretty huge impact right like what was the what was the reaction to that record from the greater hip-hop community and from maybe the pop world if there was one at that time? yeah
2: i think the hip-hop world was like this is some weird shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was so like what was the what were the tenants of the weirdest i mean we, we nailed the musical aspect of it what was missy doing that was weird to people
2: i think it's a combination of things the actual approach that she's taking like we talked about singing and rapping is unusual at the time right visually i think the rain super duper fly the video it was like the true moment that heads turns around and around and around (laughs) like heads spun because music videos didn't look like that people didn't look like that also the stuff that she's saying on that track is so, stream of thought, kind of right. It's almost dot ISI, it's almost like free association. When
0: the
1: rain hits my window, I take it, <gasps> me some ink, me and Timberland. We sang a dangle, we so tight that you get our styles tangled. Sway your doji do like you loco. can we get kicking night like cocoa? So, so you wanna play with my yo yo? I smoke my hydro on the day.
2: Yeah, if you sit down and you look at the lyrics, it's like what the fuck is she talking about? Even then every line on it is so distinctive. Break up with him before he dumped me. Like that's funny. <laughs> that's a that's a good Damn line. The way
1: she delivers it like dump me. I break up with him before he dumped dump. dump.
0: You know, this is something that shows up on later hits like Work It, but
2: right from the jump, you can hear
0: her playing with her
2: vocal intonations and tone. You can hear that all over Super Duper Fly. Mm-hmm. She says, Z-, like, zig a zig zig like, right. all this weird shit that she does with her mouth.
0: Making words up, that's a huge mystery. Gibberish,
2: loves to <laughs> create whatever comes to mind. I think she, she jams words into lyrics to mm-hmm. make the lyrics work. Yes. Which I think is, like... A work of genius.
0: Seriously. And it's all very textural. Like, this is such a random combination of things I'm about to spill out of my mouth, but I'm just going to say it. You know how Max Martin talks a lot about how, like, the words that come out are less important than sort of the melodic math of, like, putting the words together? In a way, I sort of think that's, like, a sign of musical genius because... And I think Missy sometimes thinks this way, too. It's like, how do I complement what's going on in this soundscape? And it's less about... Does everything I have to say make sense? It's more about the energy, the texture, the vibe, the feeling of the whole thing. More so than like needing to sort of be a laser sharp Jay-Z style lyricist. And I think the other important sort of distinction that separated her from the other girls was that the point was to be as weird and out there as possible, both in the lyrics and then the visual presentation. It's not like you look at little Kim and Foxy and think like, oh my God, that's so twisted. It's got a very heteronormative thing about it not that Missy is queer, but that there was a queer element to the way she presented herself. Like it was androgynous. In that Hype Williams video for Super Duper Fly, she's presented, I mean, first of all, let's just like put it on the table. She was extremely unconventional looking for any sort of female pop artist Period. And I'm talking about from Jewel to Little Kim to (laughs) Jewel. You know what I mean? I'm just thinking in every arena. Like you're not getting, you don't get, how many pop stars can you count from the 90s that had Missy's body? I mean, it was not common. Not only did she not hide that, she accentuated the entire thing by showing up in her first music video on a giant inflatable trash bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that is Also the the
2: big red overalls when she's driving in the Jeep. She talked about this recently, and I can't remember which song it's for, but I think maybe her first guest appearance on a song that got the video treatment, she showed up to the video, and they, like, tried their best to, like, not get her in the video because of how she looked. She was an outlier to what we'd come to expect of female rappers, and... I think she toyed with that notion brilliantly. Instead of saying, focus on my body, she she sort of, you know, emphasizes it. She takes it and she expands it. I uh-huh. think that's, uh, that's smart. And, like, you could also see in the Socket to Me video, which, also directed by Hype Williams, but they basically did a live action version of mega man how many rappers are doing that she's in a video lil kim is her accomplice in the video they're both wearing giant m's on their chest and they're wearing these gigantic weird video game outfits and mm-hmm. i think it's like she took the focus away from her body by by also drawing attention it, yeah to it. and like
0: by making it a focal point and accentuating it she used it to her advantage which was so genius which is that she was like okay because i don't fit these tropes i can be a fucking weirdo in a way that maybe we wouldn't accept from someone that was more traditionally hot. There would be sort of this push to sort of like fit you more into a box. She leaned into it to her advantage. And then the other thing that you're making me think of about talking about little Kim and Socket to me is that what I love about Missy is that while she's pushing against all this stuff, she's still inviting them all into her world. There is little Kim. Like she's not sort of anti little Kim. She's very much here's my BFF little Kim, even though like little Kim represents something that's a little more normative, heteronormative, hip hop fluent that made sense to people at the time. She was very much here she is in my music video with me. And then the third thing that you're making me think about is the sort of like push and pull between classicism and iconoclasm. The music was so unique that they were making the music videos they were making were so unique. And she was such a unique rapper and, and visual thing for people. But she also was very steeped in hip hop tropes and tradition. And one of the things that the little Kimbra thing brought up to me is on a lot of her records, she very much brings in the notions of ciphers, of other rappers, of posses. There are songs on subsequent records where other rappers rap for the majority of the song. Eminem is coming to mind on The Real World. I'm just always fascinated by this push and pull with Missy and Timberland's music and everything that Missy does uh, between classicism and iconoclasm. Right.
2: I think what she was doing then is what we now refer to as world building. Mm. and back then you go listen to super duper fly and the first person you hear actually rapping is lil kim right and she handles the first verse Mm -hmm. on the whole album Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i think missy is an expert curator but she's also the center of that world right she brings people in it's never not her sound how many artists you know throughout time have been able to do that not many to to the extent that it's of quality. Totally. It
0: reminds me of RZA, honestly, as the person that's coming to my mind in terms of somebody that formulated a whole world, a sonic universe, and then cleverly brought in other people to fill that universe out and wasn't selfish about it. I agree. Like there's something very generous about Missy. That's just something that I feel like it kind of comes across in terms of the way she structures her albums around features and also in her collaboration with Timberland. You know, it was, he was very front and center. It was not the Missy show. It was very much the Missy and Timberland show. And I think that was by her her design and approval. And I think in a way, Super Duper Fly, it's hard to think of it as analog because obviously it sounds so futuristic but when you move on to that next record i feel like there's a pretty big leap from 1997 super duper fly to 99's the real world her second album which sounds still as insane today to me as it did when it came out what's happening on on the on the real world sonically that's like building on the timberland thing
2: yeah i think they experiment more the sounds that are used on the first record are pretty much linear mm-hmm. a lot of the same Keys use a lot of the same synths, a lot of the same drums, and they just m- made a bunch of good songs with that. And I think under Real World, like there's dancehall, there's like future ho- future hip hop. They're like club bangers. They're ballads. Yeah, and that's where you really get the
0: maximalist, a rhythmic Timberland, you know, quintessential beats too. Hot Boys, for instance, is another beat where it's huge, vacuous open spaces, and then compressed drum noises.
1: And I like those hot boys. I
2: also think it's worth noting of what Missy's talking about in the right. album. I think there was a movement with Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown in 96 where they were reclaiming their sexuality by flaunting it. Right. And, you know, saying you can't objectify me. Missy does a similar thing on The Real World where she reclaims the idea of the woman as like the bitch. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is because there are two interludes that Lil Kim has on that album where she specifically talks about that. She calls her first single off that record, She's a bitch. To
1: so the MI, cat like a semi, stole my car, what you get my? ass a black Oh, say bye-bye, I'ma get your body to the sky Run through your click, nigga, you pissed, don't trip I'ma have to brush you with your lips And the whips, better have a whole lot of chips Cause I ain't for no nigga giving tips She's a, a bitch. bitch, when you say my name Talk more junk, but will gonna look my way She's a, a bitch. bitch, see I got more cheese So back on up, while I roll up my sleeve She's a, a bitch. bitch, you can't see me,
2: Joe
1: Get on down, while I shoot my flow. She's a, a bitch. bitch, when I do my thing Got the place on fire, it down the flame. I mean, there
2: is this reclamation of a powerful woman being dangerous or threatening, especially a black woman, especially a black woman, especially a plus size black woman, exactly. And I think she does that with sexuality, too. And, you know. I think to a to an extent throughout the rest of her career she does this quite often but she definitely puts it in your face but she does it in a way that's sort of funny for example like later in her career Work It which is like to me her greatest song ever but that song's about getting laid like and and it's about, you know, being respectable as a woman if that's what you do, if that's what you want.
0: Right. And as you were sort of saying, toggling between sort of serious and humorous takes on sexuality.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the mode that she gets into on the real world. There's not tons of that on Super Duper Fly. That was really about proving that she's a good writer. And
0: Super Duper Fly has kind of more of a stonery vibe. Yeah. Whereas this album's much more direct and sort of corporal. Like a song like Hot Boys that just keeps coming to mind is so... It's actually quite erotic, but in a way that flips gender norms by like objectifying hot
2: She's basically turning the male gaze on its head, Mm. and what I find so funny about that song in particular is not only is she fetishizing hot guys, but for the remix that they put out she got two two male rappers on it right like, I, what kind of that is a power power
1: Queen's about to tear it up scared of us your name fun toy the
0: other thing I wanted to ask you is like what's Sort of the relationship around the period of the real world between what Missy's Missy's a big hip hop star at this time, but what is her relationship to pop? Like, is she a pop? Would is she crossing over? Are these songs becoming pop hits? Like, how wh- how's that working?
2: I think culturally at the time she was not getting played on pop radio. That's for sure. I don't think she really got a taste of crossover stardom until her third album with Get Your Freak On. And I also think that's because, you know, I think they were finding their footing with Super Duper Fly in the real world, but her and Timbaland on Miss E So Addictive, like, they had singles. Like, they had real guaranteed bankable singles, even though— Hopways the remix was number one on the Hot Rap Songs chart for like eight weeks. She did have success on the charts, but I think Get Your free come probably was one of the first times that she had really gotten a taste of that pop success.
1: Mississippi, putting it down. I'm the hottest round. I told your mother, y'all can stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm lasting twenty rounds. And if you want me, oh then come on get me now. Yes. Is you with me now? Yes. Then biggie bigger bounce. Yes. I know you dig the way I switch my style. Holla. Holla. People sing around, now people gather around, now people jump around. Go get your freak on, Go get your freak on, Go get your freak on, Go get your freak on. Your freak on.
0: Your freak on. I, I shiver just thinking. <laughs> I mean, I, you think "Work" it's her best song? I think Get Your Freak On is possibly the greatest song of that decade. <laughs> I wouldn't even disagree.
2: It's like you have two of the two songs that are the greatest song of all time.
0: <laughs> you hear Get Your Freak On to this day and you still, it sounds just as fucking nuts as it did the first time that ever yep. heard it but it is such a it's a pop record I mean I feel like that there was definitely a transition that went, went, that went on between The Real World and Missy So Addictive where she was kind of leaning more into her like pop inclinations because that's the thing about Missy is she's such a chameleon in that way in terms of like she can do traditional R&B songs she can sing you know another record on Missy So Addictive that I have a funny personal story about is One Minute Man which was another big hit from that album and I remember being really confused. I wasn't a total Missy aficionado at this point in my life. I was a cat, more of a casual fan. And I remember that song coming out and it being billed as a Missy Elliott song. And I was like, when does Missy Elliott come in? <laughs> I was like, I hear Ludacris rapping. I hear Trino rapping. And I hear this woman singing. But I'm like, where's Missy Elliott on this song? But in reality, what was happening was she was just showing yet another tool in her toolbox as this sexy pop singer.
1: Boy, I'm a yes
2: it's surprising um that you had that realization but i think if you're not a Missy aficionado you don't really think of it that way i mean how many artists back then could you say could rap their own verses and sing their own hooks. Like very few.
0: No, and also that was an era in hip hop where even for crossover hip hop, it was like the rapper and the singer. That was like the big post-fantasy remix marriage of hip hop and and pop. Jay-Z sings the verse, Mariah sings the hook or Mariah sings the song and Jay-Z hops on for a verse or Ja Rule sings the song and Ashanti sings the hook. Now we have Drake in a post-Drake world. We have artists that embody both of these things. But Missy was really doing that at that time to great success. And this kind of loops on back to my sort of like underrated thing because I did an entire podcast on Drake and didn't talk about Missy Elliott. So I'm just <laughs> as guilty of this as everyone else. But she really was out there making Get Your Freak On, smash, hit, hit, Hip pop pop crossover success record where she's rapping. That's completely bonkers. Never heard anything like it before. Avant-garde and smash pop hit, rare combination. One Minute Man, a bizarre s- sounding record that also is a pop hit where she's now singing. I mean, these combinations of sort of the avant-garde and the mainstream are very rarely achieved in popular music. Here's another thing though, that I've been thinking about in terms of Missy's lyrical content. Her personal life remains opaque. She is very tender and revealing in a feeling way on her music, but you don't really learn much about, like, the details of her life
2: ever. Yes. I think, I was thinking about this too. Like I said, there are two things that Masilia raps about, or sings about, for the most part, and there are are exceptions, but they are having sex and being good.
0: And also relationship dynamics. Yes. But not from a diaristic perspective point of view more from sort of a storytelling broader point of view when i hear missy do like a more straightforward r&b song it's she's so good at it in almost in a bruno Marsian sort of way <laughs> where like she's such an expert at it like she's a music historian almost in a sense that which is like so how i see like i see bruno Mars as like the ultimate musical impersonator Not i don't see missy that way but missy I feel like she knows, like, what a sensuous, revealing, heartbreaking R&B song is supposed to sound like. And she knows how to make that. But it's not necessarily because it's emanating from her wanting to, like, tell a personal story,
2: necessarily. Well, let's be clear. Missy Elliott can do Bruno Mars, but Bruno Mars cannot do Missy Elliott. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm only pointing that out because
0: Bruno Mars is just... Like the old, like he's able to embody forms of music. What Bruno Mars is good at is expertly impersonating different styles and genres and eras with precision. And I do think Missy has that in her too. Like she's able to make a Prince song. But Prince was making songs from like this very sort of like corporal deep part of himself in lyrics and all of these kind of things. I'm not saying Missy's not doing that, but I just... When I was going back through the discography today, or in the last couple of days, I was thinking to myself, you don't ever walk away from a Missy album feeling like you learn about her life, no matter how many times she sings about a relationship or sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think
2: that plays into the mystique. I think we talked about this when we talked about Ariana Grande, is that what makes a pop star, to me at least, so iconic is the remove that they have. I think that's why Madonna's an icon because, you know, we But don't Madonna's
0: really... music has at times been very personal. Like, very, very personal in a way that Missy's never has. Sure,
2: but I also think that there is, the, there's that mysteria. It's wrapped in the stratum of mystery. Missy Elliott, she's not talking about pretty, I, I'd say 90% of the time she's not talking about personal life sp- specifics. There are some songs throughout her career that do touch on that. Can you hear us The song that she did with TLC, that's a Mm -hmm. tribute to... Yeah, when she sings about Aaliyah and God, you get some real tea. I think that's exactly right. She really doesn't talk about anything too specifically. Yeah, like personal. Like, in a way, it's like
0: she gets into a character when she performs and that makes it stylistic. And I don't mean that as a diss. Like, I think... That's one of the fallacies of our current post-Taylor Swift pop landscape where, like, pop music is judged on how diaristic it is. Like, your music does not have to be diaristic in pop to have value. So I do not mean this as a diss in any sort of way. But, like, I do think it's like when I listen to Missy sing rap or when she does that thing where she kind of, like, makes a classic-sounding almost like Prince or R. Kelly song, it's like here's how you do that thing perfectly. It's not her trying to, to emanate something or tell you something personal about her in that it's way. so
1: incredible Ever since the day we became We became so personal Every day that I spend with you It gets unforgettable Anything that I do
0: all right, so let's talk about Under Construction, which comes after Missy So Addictive, after her break, her pop breakthrough with Get Your Freak On and One Minute Man, and talk about the peak of Missy's pop powers and probably of her career, her record Under Construction, which features the obviously iconic single, Work It. So you had mentioned in our emails before that Under Construction is sort of her ode to hip-hop roots. Uh, let's talk about that a
2: little bit. Yes, she... From the visuals to the sound itself, that was her rewinding what she was doing, but also rooting it very much in the future. This album still sounds like the future. Let's not let's not mince words here. I um, But from the album cover, she's wearing Adidas. In the music videos, she's wearing a Kangol. She is, you know, in the Work It video, it's this sort of weird... Like apocalyptic hellscape that's contrasted by all these hip hop, classic hip hop signifiers. And
0: unlike a lot of Missy and Timberland's work in the past, it's filled with samples. You've got Run DMC's "Peter Piper," Blondie's "Heart of Glass," Rockmaster Scott's request line.
2: Timbaland and Missy Elliott take all of these sounds, all of those specifically also 80s sounds. Um, Run DMC and Blondie are, this is 80s music that we're yeah. talking about, and ushers it into this weird, futuristic terrain that sounds like nothing else. Like, nothing sounds like work it. Yeah, that song is just a masterpiece. It goes, in pla- it goes in directions you would never expect. The lyrics are f- funny, smart, expertly delivered, and crafted. And the song never runs out of breath.
0: Literally every lyric is iconic. You a fly gal, get your nails done.
1: Get a pedicure, get your hair did.
0: Every noise is both a nod to these classic songs, but also sounds completely warped into the Timberland and Missy world. Yeah,
2: well, they've been they've been getting more and more experimental. You could even hear it on Missy, e, so addictive. Here, it gets so weird that they're literally taking an audio clip and reversing it in like Pro Tools or whatever and making that the chorus. They yeah. have people to this day saying that. Line and not knowing what the fuck it is. And it's just, I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Reverse. How self-aware and smart is that?
0: And not to mention that that's their biggest hit. I mean, they turned that into literally a classic smash hit pop song. Yeah. Which is just like speaks to the power. They they were just in the pocket. Yeah, it's
2: undeniable. I mean, good music will always, my philosophy is good music always sells. And good music will always dominate. It will always rise to the top. Whether you like it or not, that's your own opinion. Something like that is just so powerfully undeniable. And they got the success they deserved totally it
0: was i remember like and you know this also brings in like missy's so root forable like you just she's so lovable you want her to succeed in a way like there's nothing about her that isn't sort of like you want to root for her you know what i mean like she just brings you right it there's something welcoming and warm about her that like to that exists to this day. Now we get to see it mostly on social media because she doesn't release as much music as she used to. But that was all present in all of her songs. And I think that sort of fun-loving warmth is such a key part to like why people continue to just love this woman so much. So then we enter kind of an era of sort of like a fast, not full decline, because we have two more records from Missy, This Is Not A Test, which was her last full-length collaboration with Timberland. And The Cookbook, her last solo album, which was in 2005 and is her only full-length record that doesn't feature a prominent cookbook. Full length collaboration with Timberland. And there's hits from these albums. There's Past That Dutch. There's, of course, her self produced single from the cookbook, Lose Control.
1: But that's
0: kind of like a bit of a come down period for Missy in terms of just like her absolute imperial innovative pop crossover uh, stranglehold she had for a minute there. And then she basically disappears from music for the last 16 years. I mean, yes, we've had uh, intermittent singles. She's written for other artists. She's had hits with Keisha Cole, Jasmine Sullivan, and she's had some of her own songs and she released a EP in 2019, I believe. But for the most part, that was kind of the end of the Missy story. It ended somewhat
2: abruptly. So what happened? Like, where where did Missy go? I think Missy Elliott disappearing from music was for a number of reasons. One of which, obviously, she's talked about that she developed Graves' disease, a pretty serious disease that she had to take a lot of time to overcome. I think being a female rapper had reached maybe the end of its second phase in Mm. like pop in popular music. Lil' Kim put out her last record in 2005. Missy Elliott put out her last record in 2005. So you're seeing the end of all these female rappers careers. And Eve too. Eve after her third album, I want to say, she waited years and years to put out Lip Lock. There was this vanishing of or erasure of female rappers in pop culture until Nicki came and even even then, after she came, Nikki was the only female rapper for years. But why did pop culture spit them out like that, do you think? You could take the cynical way and say music moved more into pop. There's maybe a racist element. There's a misogynist element. Maybe labels thought, oh, they're not bankable anymore for these reasons, um, but justified in other ways. Of
0: course. I mean, I think the thing about, I think you nailed it in some ways about the I mean, yes, insert everything you said, Pop, racism, sexism, 100%. But I do think there's a pop shift that goes on right around the time after the cookbook comes out where, like, the pop and B movement ends. Yes. And we sort of move into the post-Future Sex Love Sound sort of disco, uh, EDM, electronic dance music revolution that then sort of defined the next seven, eight years.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think... Raps still at that point had not become popular. It was like, you're allowed to, the, to sit at the table, but right. you're not serving the food. Mm. I think that played a role in maybe the business machinations behind the reasoning for why we don't, we just had this all cease. Right. And that was heartbreaking for me because right. I love female rappers. <laughs> mm.
0: Me too. I'm so happy there's so many of them now.
2: Yeah. And they're all doing things that, could not be done without people like Missy Elliott and Lil' Kim. And no matter how many times Nicki Minaj says that she uh, is not directly inspired by Lil' Kim, like there would be no Nicki Minaj without Lil' Kim. There would be no Nicki Minaj without Missy Elliott. Like these are such influential people.
0: Yeah. And there'd be no MIA. There'd be no, I mean, there's so you can, there'd be no Rihanna. I mean, there's like a lot of ways that you can connect what Missy was doing in terms of sort of like melding pop R&B and hip hop that you can see in even just broader pop stars. Like I said, like, Doja Cat like Rihanna like Rihanna's ability to to be a black woman in popular culture who can make a dance record who can make a rap sounding record that can make an R&B song that can make a rock song whatever blah 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 blah, blah. like Missy opened a lot of those doors for artists like Rihanna artists like Beyonce to be experimental to be themselves to incorporate all of these different genres to rap to sing to break down genre barriers and to be as weird as pop music can be in like some of its most glorious moments and we really have her to think for
1: all of this.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the Pantheon, and I want to kick this off by sort of rephrasing a question I was getting at with you earlier, which is, has Missy's absence from pop over the last 15 years had a negative impact on how we view her legacy.
2: I think it's only helped her legacy. Go on. I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) Indeed. Well, the music's good anyway. Yeah, and she put out Iconology a a few years ago, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. I think there were some good ideas, but it didn't feel like she was innovating. And I feel like that's what Missy Elliott has sort of... Fallen into over the past sixteen years since she put out that album is that a lot of what we hear her doing is mimicking what's popular or old tropes or old tropes, yes or yeah revisiting things she's already done like Mm -hmm. pep rally the song she did for Amazon right that song sounds like a bunch of other shit she's already
0: right or or you have let the Keisha Cole song where it's like a great standard R and B song yes exactly what I mean
2: and I think the songs on uh, the the single that you put out I'm better I think is like truly what the fuck like she's rapping in a the triplet flow which Mm -hmm. we talked about with ariana and like and and her rapping i mean she she lost she lost a little bit of the magic with the rapping i
0: mean i cannot count the amount of times i've heard the kitty cat kitty cat thing recently from her like the janet song
1: (laughs) i'ma shut it down
0: Meow, 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 meow.
1: the Lizzo song
0: like she's kind of fallen into this mode of being like the fat man scoop of like her own songs
2: <laughs> I think that's a compliment
0: yeah but not for somebody that was like a, such an engaging yes. lead artist I do
2: think that she has lost a lot of the, ma- the creative magic that made her so unique and distinctive but I don't think that hurts her legacy because mm. when we were talking about artists, when we were talking about Ariana, we were talking about artists who could release, like, could take a shit in a CD case and and it wouldn't and sell it. It wouldn't matter. Like Michael Jackson, we talked about, right? And like Britney Spears. Sorry, but like I don't think oh her my past God, albums you, Steven, have been very good. you do
0: not have to apologize to me about that. I am no. Glory let uh, I tell it, you. I'm,
2: yeah, I'm sorry, Brit. I, I think Brits.
0: there's a lot of delusion that goes on around Glory, and I say that as a big fan.
2: Yes, Miss Elyon has reached that point where she could put out an I'm Better or an Iconology EP, and they don't move the world, right. but her legacy is still untouchable. Not just in what she has done in her solo career, but by the sheer number of people who've been influenced by her. Mm -hmm. You could look everywhere in pop music right now, and there are glimpses of Missy Elliott in almost everything, if you look for it. So her legacy is very much intact. So what
0: tier are you putting her in?
2: That's where it's troubling, because I don't think she's ever fully gotten the respect she deserves as both a hip-hop and a pop star.
0: Yeah, well, we gotta look at this coldly and harshly, because the Pantheon... Has no feelings. <laughs> Missy
2: Elliott is not on top ten lists. Are you talking about as a rapper, yeah, she's not ever mentioned as a top ten rapper. Right, she's right. never mentioned as a top ten musician. Right. She was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which I think is a very rare instance mm-hmm. of an artist getting an- acknowledged for their songwriting that is largely not thought of as a songwriter.
0: How many solid hits does Missy Elliott have that are that have stood up the test of time to the point where, like, if they came on, a basic bitch
2: knows what they are. Does that include songs that she's featured on? Yes. Oh, you could say easily 25. Really? Easily 25. Okay. Songs that she's featured on? All right. How many songs is a lead artist? I think probably a lot fewer. Maybe if if you're being generous, 8 to 10?
0: Yeah. Like if you're going to play them at a bar mitzvah or a wedding.
2: Yeah. I'd say... I'm thinking... If you're, play, if you're saying bar mitzvah or a wedding, I'd say maybe like 4 or 5. I'm thinking work it. Get your freak on gossip folks gossip folks is a generous inclusion it's a top 10 song yeah but lose control lose control
0: the sierra song one two step let uh, it go
2: with keisha cole let it go are we gonna really go through all of <laughs> them?
0: no i'm just thinking i'm really doing it as a thought experiment because this is informative you know i think like here's my pitch to you i, I think she's a three that's that's where i that's that's my vibe but her influence sort of levels her up in a way that's hard to measure by these metrics you know what i mean yeah
2: the miss helix super stan in me wants to say she's a two but i agree that she's a three yeah and it's
0: not fair this is the cold hard light of day i think
2: she's a three for all of the reasons we've already discussed she doesn't fit any archetypes she doesn't follow the rules. And because of that, she's never really fit in, even right. though she's had success. So she's never really thought of as a goat, yeah. even though she clearly is. But for some reason, because of her weirdness and her embrace of atypical conventions or whatever, you, however you want to put it, she is left out of these conversations. And I think that is what helps build your legacy is having your name next to all these other people's names. And when we talk about the most iconic pop stars, we say Madonna and Britney and Michael and Prince and all these people. And Missy is, I don't think, very rarely included. No. And I think this, like I texted you this earlier, but Mariah Carey fits into this a lot too. One of the biggest things that lambs like to talk about is they love to remind you that Mariah is a songwriter. Mm -hmm. And And so do she. And (laughs) yes, so she does as well. (laughs) But she loves, I think Mariah is not considered one of the greatest songwriters of all time because people don't think of her or talk of her as one of the greatest songwriters of all time, or even as a songwriter. And I think that's the same thing for Missy Elliott. She's not included in the greatest songwriter, greatest artist, greatest producer conversations, even though she is all three of those things. Mm -hmm. She is one of the greatest to ever do it. So I think that does preclude her from being in a higher tier, Mm -hmm. but I also think that she has very well earned her spot in that tier. I'm I'm,
0: I'm right there with you. And I think it's like what we were saying earlier. It's like, I almost feel like she's comfortable with it in a way because she always loved kind of being outside of the box. I think her career is a great testament to sort of like how you can paint and color outside of the lines and still sort of like be a hit maker.
2: Yeah, I think speaking to the point I made earlier about how she always talks about how humbled she is by things is that To be honest, I don't think she expected all of this. I don't think, I think she just wanted to make music that she liked, and whatever came with it, came with it, and it ended up just... Being so much better than so much other shit and so different that it was impossible to deny. I think that, I think that's literally the bedrock of Missy Elliott's career.
0: And and I think that the other thing that we could say that I know that we touched on before is she's so beloved. I can't think of a a musical pop artist that is so universally loved. Nobody hates Missy Elliott. It might not be that people appreciate her on the level that she should be, but by the same token, think about all the other girls. Like they have so many fucking haters. You know what I mean? Like nobody hates Missy Elliott. She's unhateable. So, okay. So what's like a great Missy Elliott song that you, that for all the people that need to
2: get put on to the lesser known shit that we can go out on, that's like a personal favorite of yours. Lick shots. Which. Like what a missed opportunity missy tweeted the other day, like what's a song you'd like for me to go back into a video for? And I was like, I know that you put lick shots at the end of the get your freak on video But like give us a fucking lick shots video Go whatever 20 years later. Just make the video. I'll watch it. I'll I'll put it on replay on youtube I will get that view count up That song is a fucking banger. It sounds unlike anything else since or before and it's just the perfect embodiment of what makes Missy Elliott such an incredible artist.
0: Absolutely. A perfect song and a great example of the Missy-Timbo dynamic and how magical it was. Steven, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be the first for repeat offender. Listen, let's make it a tradition.
1: You don't want to speak my name. Mess around, get that ass blown away. Bra! Food gone away i ain't never let you tell anyway missy all right so that's
0: all she wrote that's pop pantheon missy elliot a tier 3 superstar and a integral part of the popular music landscape as we know it today and truly one of the greatest artists and my personal favorites in my lifetime highly recommend you all go back listen to super duper fly listen to the real world listen to missy so addictive listen to under constructive i mean they are all packed to the gills with incredible music and so much fun to revisit. Thank you to Stephen Horowitz for being an incredible guest once again. Please follow Pop Pantheon on Twitter and Instagram at PopPantheonPod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DJ L O U I E X I V. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe. And I
1: will see you guys back here in two more weeks. Bye bye. you come around here baby no, you just want my Get your black ass on the floor Food touch me, that's a no, no right. Mr. DJ, won't you play that song Tell the freaks shake they nasty thongs Hey boys, won't you sing along Cause we gon' rock the party to the early moan uh-huh. Time to make shots uh-huh. Time to see